Hey, uh, everybody out there, if you're listening on WBCQ, International Shortwave on 7490, uh, we're coming up, uh, our show in just a few minutes, it's going to be about ham radio, shortwave listening, and we're going to have some exciting topics tonight, so join us uh, if you can, and uh, that'll be uh, right on the hour, it'll start, uh, so uh, please, uh, please, please uh, stay with us, and uh, we'll have some fun tonight. Uh, we are on WBCQ, and also we're on uh, our own uh, YouTube channel. And uh, we uh, the show is called Amateur Radio Roundtable, and we're every Tuesday. If you're listening on shortwave, it's Thursday for you from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. But our show is live. Uh, our, our video show is live. Just go to W5KUB.com. Uh, Tuesday nights, that would be, well, it would actually be 0100 UTC Wednesday. Or if you're here in the U.S., it would be like 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Uh, just go to W5KUB, and uh, we will uh, uh, be glad to have you. And I uh, hope you're out there listening on WBCQ, and uh, we're glad to have you. And we'll be with you in just a minute. Just uh, enjoy music. Tomorrow 
Welcome everybody to Amateur Radio Roundtable. This show is about ham radio, amateur radio, and we're glad to have you tonight. Today is uh, Tuesday, October 18th, I believe. Boy, the time's flying fast. Tuesday, October 18th. Again, we welcome you. Uh, if you're listening out there on a shortwave on 7490, uh, you're hearing us on WBCQ, a real famous uh uh, station from uh, many years ago. It's got a great history there. They're up in Monticello, uh, Monticello, Maine, and uh, we're relatively low power, only fifty thousand watts. So you know, but you are hearing us in some different countries, and uh, we're so glad you're with us. If you're uh, you know tuning in uh, tonight and found us by accident, let me just tell you, you can also join us on Tuesdays if you have internet and. Um, you can go to our website, W5KUB.com. There it is right there, W5KUB.com. Uh, and you can watch our show on Tuesday nights at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And we have our own chat room. You can actually chat with us and other people around the world that are watching the show tonight. So uh, please uh, please do that if you, uh, if you can. Uh, let me also ask a favor for everybody. If you will, hit that subscribe button. I'm trying to help you here. I'm showing you where that subscribe button is. It should be down here somewhere where I'm pointing at right there. So I hit that subscribe button. It helps us to, uh, uh, it helps YouTube to advertise our show. And, you know, when people are looking up radio and electronics and stuff on, on uh, Facebook, Facebook uh, gives little suggestions, you know, this video and that video. And uh, the more subscriptions we get, the more uh, uh YouTube is going to, um, you know, promote our show. So please hit that subscribe button. Um, so I've already mentioned WBCQ. Here's a great shot, WBCQ. Hey, boy, that looks like we're going to talk about Antarctica here in a few minutes. That kind of looks like Antarctica, the, the, what I know of it. But I, I think there's some areas down here that aren't 
or under snow. We're going to find more out about that in a minute. Hey, we're on every podcast carrier out there in the world. We're on iTunes, Google Play, uh, I don't know, iNet Radio, uh, you name it. We're, we're on all the uh, um, podcasts out there. So we've got a lot of people that just listen to the show uh, during the week. So uh, just search for Amateur Radio Roundtable if you're just looking for the podcast. So uh, that would be cool. Hey, Join our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is called W5KUB. And um, we've got about 13,000 uh, uh, Ham, Ham and Shoy members in the group. Uh, just uh, search for W5KUB and we'll approve you and get you right in there. And uh, we'll be glad to have you. And it also that group also follows our show and some of the things we're doing and some of the uh, projects that we're doing. And... Uh, and also, it's just a good ham radio place to uh, uh, to be there. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's jump around a room here real quick and see. I'm a little worried about Glenn. Glenn, you look tired tonight, man. You you did you go to work today, Glenn? <laughs> yeah, this is one of my work days, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. This working for a living is going to have to come to a stop. That's all there is to it. Well. You know, I think you got probably uh, used to not going in. When, it's really when, true. You know, when um, even before COVID, I was only on the road about two to three days a week. Yeah. And then when COVID hit, of course, you know, worked from home all that time. And even up until recently, I was only going in two to three, two days a week. Now I'm in going in three, and that extra day is just killer that was you know took me over the edge man that's just too much well okay well hey i know you've been talking about retirement you're getting ready it'll be here soon the big 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 thing is you know i've got that book deadline to you know stare at me in the face and i'm like i really need to start picking it up on that because i think i'm down to like the 60 about 75 80 days to finish the book well, you better get that done. And hey, Glenn, remind me a little later in the show tonight uh, to talk about. Are you? Let me just ask you real quick. Are you going to this again this year? The Crotus uh, Ridge Amateur Radio uh, Club Swap Meet. No, I'm probably not going to be able to this year. Okay. Well, that's pretty close to us. I, I may drive up there again. Uh, anyway, they wanted me to advertise it for them. Uh, this is over in Truman, Arkansas. It's Saturday, October the 29th from 8 a.m. to noon and uh they've got a neat little place of having it that they think it's going to grow a lot this year people from missouri are coming down and uh, western arkansas and different places and uh uh, hey i'll try to make it from tennessee that'll give them uh, you know an extra state or two there so anyway we'll talk more about that a little later and uh um we might just go good news is i made my hamcation reservations and everything so i'm going down to orlando again this year and um Hope to be doing another Arduino forum uh, down there this year as well. <laughs> All right, man. All right, that's that's good. Very good. All right, let's uh, hey, let's jump over to. We got uh, a new person on here with us tonight. We got uh, we got Jim with us, uh, KD9UQB, and Jim is one of our fellows here that's working with us to build up a, a tracker. He, I think he's working on the solar panels and so forth. Yep. But uh, Jim uh, is uh, involved with us, 
uh, in this thing we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, uh, hi, hey, Jim, how you doing, man? And uh, uh, you getting any snow up there yet, man? Uh, I'm doing great. And uh, actually, we've got a little bit of snow. I'm just outside of Chicago in one yeah. of the suburbs. And uh, had a little bit of snow yesterday. Not enough to you know, stay on the ground, but uh, enough to remind us that winter's not too far off. So uh, temperatures are in the 40s. Uh, so getting, getting a little cooler and yeah. waiting for the leaves to turn here. So, Well, tell me how bad was the snow yesterday. I mean, it was how deep was it, man? Oh, it's just, you know, enough to kind of cover the grass a little bit. And, oh, you know, man, that's officially, a... Yeah, it's come and gone in, in a couple hours. That's, a, that's and, a big snow for us. See, I mean, yeah. that, that shuts us down for about a week, doesn't it, Glenn? Glenn's sleeping. Yeah, it, no, <laughs> I, I was on mute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, about three flakes will shut us down. And, yeah. And uh, I, I love those snow days because those will be days I get to work from home. Yeah. So, yeah hey, hey, uh, speaking, of, speaking of the snow days, but really, I, hey, it don't take much snow. You know, uh, hey, a quarter of an inch here is bad. Let me tell you, it's really oh, bad. That, that's that's a blizzard here. Yeah, so that's bad. And, but let me, hey, let me tell you, hey, Glenn, I don't know if you saw it this week or not, man. We had hail here. Well, t- yeah, day before yesterday, I think, man, it it was the yard was covered with ice, man. We had hail like crazy. Yeah, and I mean, it's supposed to be down to twenty nine tonight. Yeah. So we went straight from that super hot summer straight into winter. All right. Well, hey, Jim, back to you. We're going to talk yeah. about a group that you're uh, you're with to the NIBBB. We'll talk a little about that a little later tonight. We'll try to work sure. that in at uh, after. Uh, we get through with our guest here. And uh, we've got another guest with us tonight, the person that's going to really, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. You know, th- this show tries to do a lot of neat things that you just don't see out there. You know, we brought Hurt Island in, the expedition live on our show. Uh, we've taken our show out to uh, uh, ABC Studios, to Last Man Standing, and I met, uh, uh, you know, Tim Allen out there and convinced him to let us break the news on our show that he got his license. And we try to do, th- you know, new things like that. And um, uh, tonight with us is Todd McKinney, uh, KN4TPG. And uh, we've kind of latched on with, uh, with Todd there. And we're going to be, hopefully with you know probably some difficulty launching a couple pico balloons from antarctica hey todd come on in here and let's talk a little about that man this is this is exciting i don't even know where to start man come on in todd well well thank you so much tom for allowing me to be on the show um really excited to do this little collaboration with y'all um i've been doing pico balloons i think for the last two years now um first launching some of uh, bill Brown's sky trackers on the sbs 13 so um, I've done a lot of Pico balloon launches, and I've always watched the W5K flights, always. I, mean, I always have them pulled up on my second one. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm a big you know, balloon person. Uh, I'm right now a Ph.D. student at the University of Alabama Huntsville uh, doing atmospheric science. So lines up perfectly, right, for what I'm doing. Um, so, you know, a lot of people like to launch these Pico balloons for fun. You know, you launch them, you see how many contacts you make, you see where they go. But they're actually pretty amazing meteorological tools that are very unique. Um, so I've actually been using a lot of the data from these Pico balloons in my own research for meteorological applications, right? So really, really fun stuff uh, with these balloons, seeing where they go, and, of course, the science that they can uh, cover. It's really cool. 
Well, you know, these, these new balloons have actually upped the ante out there. You know, about the best you could hope for was the SBS. At a yeah. Terrible yeah. high cost. And let me tell you, they, hey, 44,000 feet, that's probably pretty good for an SBS. But man, these little, these little Yokohamas, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean you can't 000. beat the Tetrune. You can't beat that shape. The Tetrune shape yeah. is lightweight, um, and they're incredibly. I mean, Tom, seeing your flights fly this high, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you're breaking barriers. So yeah, it's it's a really big deal. And and they're getting the cost is really coming down. We're going from one hundred eighty dollars a balloon to like twelve dollars a balloon. Yeah, man. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you, that's what's going to be really great is these rapid launches. We can get yeah. know, more people involved in this in this hobby. That maybe we could have a constellation of these these balloon satellites that could actually be used for weather forecasting. I mean, it's it's actually possible. Uh, it's really amazing. Uh, a lot of opportunities. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little about. Uh, first of all, tell us a little about how you were selected to go down there. And and by the way. Uh, I mean, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm, I'm so sorry. Todd is going to launch uh, a couple balloons uh, for our show here. Uh, three years ago, uh, we made a uh, kind of a, a goal on our show to try to keep a balloon in the air. Uh, and we've kept one just about in the air for three years. Not the same balloon, but uh, we had a lot of failures. We had a few good successes. Uh, but as we just discussed, uh, things are, you know, you know, Todd, back back three years ago, it was difficult to make it around the world. Yeah. And 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 I would tell people, you know, say, man, I'm going to send one around the world. I'm saying it's going to take you ten tries. You will make it if you try ten times. You'll make it around the world. And we made it, our first flight. We made it on our ninth trip. Now, hey, man, you throw these Yokohamas up there. I just about guarantee you, it's going to make it around. Yeah. 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 Tell I mean, us. Uh, tell us uh, again how. how uh, how this thing came about and you're going yeah, of course. You're go, going down so um this was actually a year ago um essentially well, the way it works at least for the jam uh the german antarctic station is uh they make a call to scientists all around you know the globe to say hey put a proposal in um state your case uh and essentially you put in a proposal said what you want to do what station time you need what resources you need um you just send that off to the uh the alfred wigner institute and they actually do a peer review. They actually send these proposals out to you know, scientists mm-hmm. at the top of their field, and they read over it. They kind of determine the feasibility. So that's how they decide, you know, what projects get station time because it's really it's very competitive, right? I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. people who want to do science down there. Um, so they kind of have to go through this whole review process, see what makes sense. And essentially, the way when I put this proposal in, the way I wrote it is I was really thinking about. Um, how super pressure balloons in Antarctica, uh, you know, what they've done down there already has been these massive giant super pressure balloons that lift ton payloads, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of pounds of payloads. And it's just the amount of helium they bring, they need to bring down there. They need to bring these cranes down there to kind of hoist them up. Um, they need to have a whole trained crew to make sure that the balloon doesn't you know, flop on the ground and go sideways. So essentially the way I wrote this the proposal is I said, hey, you know, these super pressure balloons, you can launch, you know, 10 of them for the same, you know, amount of healing that you could do like two normal latex weather balloon launches. Um, and it's cheap, right? So mm-hmm. you can get, you know, pretty good data, at least tracking data and, you know, whisper propagation data for these like really cheap super pressure balloons. 
compared to spending a million dollars on a big, you know, super pressure balloon. Mm. Now, of course, you know, the bigger super pressure balloons, they get to lift more and do more experiments and, you know, uh, have a lot more things to transmit down, a lot of more telemetry. But I think, you know, we're on the precipice of uh, the meteorological world is kind of going to smaller and smaller sensors. You know, we're getting to a point where we're going to be able to deploy balloons as atmospheric scientists more frequently than ever before because we can uh, produce these meteorological sensors so fast and so cheaply. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that we are now kind of figured out that we can actually launch these super pressure balloons for a, you know, a cheap amount and get them up pretty quickly, um, it almost begs the question if we could have some sort of constellation, you know, something that a bunch of these balloons going around the world to remote places where these larger super pressure balloons can never fly because of flight restrictions. So uh, what I, kind of circling back, that's how I wrote the proposal. I made it seem mm -hmm. like, you know, let's demonstrate that this is possible down there. Maybe uh, open up new avenues for atmospheric research. They really like that idea. So um, went through the whole process, and about a year later, it got accepted, and I uh, got station time. So really exciting. <laughs> wow, that is, uh, that is great. Yep. And so I get this grant. I, I I guess that's money to to fund this trip. Is that right? Or yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think you know the priciest part about this is you know just staying down there, right? Because it's you you know you need to bring food, you need to um, bus the people out there. Um, so station time is essentially I'm there for a month, no cost at all, um, yeah. which is absolutely incredible. Uh, very well, thankful. Well, I, I I hope they offer. put you in a, at least a four star hotel down there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you need to find a pizza place with that thirty-minute guaranteed delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll Uber, I'll Uber some food. You know, <laughs> yeah. things drive yeah. out. <laughs> oh, wow. <clears throat> so, uh, and and I, I think you have some slides or a presentation or something too. You want to talk about? Sure, and, sure. And yeah. anytime uh, you want to do that, I, I, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and turn uh, sharing on right here. Uh, sure, and that way you can uh, you can do it. Let's see here. Uh, come on. Oh, wait, that's me share. Let's see. Oh, I got to go under security turn you on, I think. Yeah. Let's see. Share screen. Right. Is that right? Yeah. All right. That, that should let you now share the screen. So, I mean, this is so cool. Uh, so, and I'm sure you'll get into this in a minute, but hey, the pictures I've seen of Antarctica, and they're probably much further south toward the South Pole, you know, whiteouts, uh, wind blowing 90 miles an hour, uh, you know, yeah. basically a blizzard. And I want to know how you're going to launch this balloon. How are you going to launch this balloon uh, with uh, in, in some wind like that? Yeah, so good question. Actually, I'll pull this slide up. Um, so as an atmospheric scientist, uh, you know, I know how to work with weather balloon data pretty, uh, in a pretty good way. And what I've actually done, this slide I have up right here, these are actually the winds um, from each radioson that were launched in 2021, 2019, 2018, oh. 2020. So you can actually see that each of these dots is, you know, a sounding, a balloon sounding that they launched from November to 8th to December 14th. So you can see um, wind speed is in knots over here. So the blues are, you know, lower wind speeds, and the reds are, you know, the highest wind speeds. In the middle, we have, you know, greens and pans and stuff. Uh, so what essentially I've done is I've kind of looked at, you know, seasonality. Where do we have low surface winds, right? That's the key. 
because you know as we know these these pico balloons i mean it's essentially like a plastic walmart bag right just drifting yeah. in the wind so um what's really nice about you know the station in aeronautica is there's no obstacles right it's not like we're dodging power lines we're dodging trees when we're launching this antenna that's you know dangling below the tracker but you know like you said tom i mean these blizzards right these Massive events where snow is just blowing. I mean, obviously, we can't launch a Pico balloon in those conditions. I mean, it would be tumbled and uh, and it would yeah. never make it up. But the key is to look for these nice blue areas. So, for instance, right here uh, from 2020, this would have been a great time to launch a Pico balloon. You can see for uh, a few days we actually had pretty low winds, um, as well as you know winds above us were pretty light as well. Um, these reds I kind of want to avoid uh, is when you have really fast winds or what I like to say very fast gradients. I've noticed whenever we launch these Pico balloons is you really want a nice uh, wind gradient, a constant wind gradient above your head. So you really want like the uh, altitude above your head to kind of be you know varying kind of uh, the same winds. I mean it can mm -hmm. increase a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, but you can see over here we have, like, from 2021, we had pretty fast winds aloft. Um, and, again, this is a little high for where we'd fly. I think we're going to fly around 12 kilometers, a little lower um, down here. But that's the key. And uh, I actually have, which I'll show in a second, some uh, tools. This is actually a, a <coughs> forecast model that I've generated using some code I've written where you can actually forecast the winds. So you can see mm. the winds at the surface. Um, then you can see the winds, you know, aloft. You can see there's a nice jet core right here for this run I did. Um, so these tools kind of let us figure out, ooh, well, what's a good day to launch, right? So that's really nice. Um, these are the wind barbs of the same plot. Um, they're a little less pretty. There's a lot of noise, you know. Weather balloons aren't perfect for finding winds. Um, but essentially, it's going to work like this. This is a really rough schedule because, like you said, Tom, it's all dependent on weather, right, if we have <clears throat> the right conditions. So... Essentially, what I was thinking about doing is first I was going to launch an APRS uh, version of one of Bill Brown's Sky Trackers. Mm -hmm. I actually have a Kenwood uh, a Kenwood uh, uh, THD seventy four going to bring down to decode the packets. Uh, so kind of act like let's see if I can push it to APRS, but um, it's a little weird with the internet down there. But essentially, the point of that is just to figure out how the balloons perform. Um, you know, we get those uh, those uh, updates, those two minute updates frequently mm -hmm. um, higher resolution <clears throat> so it's kind of nice to have and then we are going to go into you know the whisper balloons and i'm very thankful tom we're going to have so many more to launch now i can actually add more arrows to this plot it's going to be really fun um, but essentially that's the plan you know you launch your balloon and you let it fly and i think another thing that the the Niermeyer people were so happy about for this proposal is uh, as we all know once you launch the balloon you're not you don't really need to leave a ground station, right? You don't need to have some Yagi pointing at your mm -hmm. payload all the time, right? The Whisper network, you know, does everything for you. It's a beautiful thing. So once you launch it, you know, you can go to the coffee house and sit down and watch it fly. So um, they really like that idea that once you fly these balloons, you know, you don't need these meteorological staff and these people to sit around and, you know, monitor a ground station, make sure the telemetry is coming in. Um, once you're done launching, you're good to go. That was another really beautiful thing of the proposal. Now, it's, uh, it, it's going to be summer when you go in there. There's only two seasons, right? Summer and winter? And it'll be summer, I think, when you go down. Yes, yes. So it's going to be, um, I've done some calculations around the end of November. 
the sun will not set. Um, I actually, I should should have my notebook out, but the, essentially the sun will not go below the horizon, um, which is really nice. We'll have to see how high it gets mm-hmm. uh, for when we're flying to see, we see if we can have 24-7 tracking. Um, I think Bill Brown's sky trackers, his limit is uh, the sun. I think it needs to be at least 20 degrees above yeah, the horizon. Yeah, 18 to 20 probably. 18, yeah. Um, what's your what? What about for well, your uh, trackers? Tom? Well, we're going to send you two down here, and and, and uh, the Jim's working on one. We're going with uh, with three sided vertical uh, solar panels, so we can pick up the sunlight at the horizon. So uh, that one is going to be that should pick it up as from sunrise to sunset. Now the the other one I'm going to send you is going to be horizontal flat top. It needs about twenty degrees, you know, to to pick. Uh, pick the sun up and operate. So we'll see how they work. Excellent. Um, and I also want to pull this up right here because, you know, when I wrote the grant, there was kind of three main objectives. Of course, how do these balloons perform? Uh, it's pretty cold down there, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure you all are aware, you know, there's a whisper station down in Antarctica that is, you know, transmitting, I think, on all bands. I mean, it's a really beautiful setup they have down there. Um, and essentially, they're, they're the point of ma- putting that station down there was actually to assess ionospheric propagation. Um, they actually did a study where they put kind of the same setup on one of the uh, boats, and they actually drove the boat. Uh, I, sh- I shouldn't call it a boat. I mean, it's a giant, you know, icebreaker. Um, and they actually went out to the North Pole, and they actually were assessing uh, propagation, whisper propagation from the North Pole. So they had the South Pole. And they have the North Pole. So they're also interested in these trackers that we're flying to see if the propagation is different when you're flying something instead of having a nice ground station. So and we're kind of tying it in with the station. That's, so it's a really good collaboration effort with the um, BP0GVN uh, BP whisper station down there. Um, and then we're also doing, uh, you know, I'm a meteorologist, so I love trajectories. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but what's interesting about the South Pole is... Uh, there's, um, when you're trying to run a high split trajectory, as we've all probably done for these Pico balloons, um, they actually found that when they do this for super pressure balloons, the, me- the meteorology is very different down there. The, the winds float on different surfaces. So if you try to compare your uh, meteorological model to your balloon model, what you'll actually find is they, they'll devi- deviate quicker than they would in like the North Hemisphere where we're normally flying. And it really has to do with the fact that the balloon floats on a different surface. It's actually a surface of constant density, whereas some of these all other uh, models, you know, float on different surfaces such as isobaric or iso, um, or, or uh, surfaces of constant entropy, which is kind of interesting. So actually, I'll show you all in a second the trajectory model that I wrote to generate automatic high split trajectories. Kind of takes into account that. Um, so let me no, let me uh, let me ask a question here while you were talking about the, the models and so forth. Uh, yeah. How, how does the models that or well they're not I guess they're not models, but how does um, uh, windy.com and Ventusky, uh, uh, you know, how how are they in accuracy as we get down toward Antarctica, or are they? So it depends, right? Because when you go to windy.com, you can actually see that you can select different models, right? You can mm-hmm. do the European model. You can do the GFS model. Um, there's some other models you can do. Um, and actually what you'll find is when you have areas that are more remote, and this is actually what I did for a study, um, 
using these super pressure balloons. When you have more remote areas, you tend to have uh, your your winds not as predicted as well. Because mm-hmm. essentially, these meteorological models rely on weather balloon data, um, aircraft data, radar data, all this, all these different data types that is ingested and then initialized off those models. So you know, weather balloon stations launch you know every uh, twelve hours you know around the world. But if you're over the Pacific or you're you know somewhere in the middle of nowhere, like in Antarctica, and you don't have that data to initialize, right? Your your weather model is just naturally not going to be as good, right? Because you don't have those starting parameters to go off of. Um, and a perfect example of this, I can actually show you all, um, we actually did trajectory runs. Um, this is the left slide right here where the balloon went through the Himalayas. So the super pressure balloon went through over the Himalayas. And you'll actually find is what we did a lot of these runs, and when the balloon starts to go over the Himalayas, because there's not a lot of data, and because you know the surface is harder to predict when you have winds moving over the surface, you'll find I call them ghost curtains, where you have that the model, the trajectory model, is either predicting your balloon's moving too slow or it's moving too fast. Um, that's what you see when you go over the Himalayas, and it's really interesting when we do these like APRS balloons when we don't have tracking. Um, I think Bill told me a lot about this. He he would find when he'd run the high split model, the balloon would either arrive, you know, 12 hours early, or he wouldn't hear from it, and it's 12 hours late. And that's exactly why. It's because the surface-to-wind interactions actually can't capture the balloon. So for this case, you know, you could see that the velocity is, you know, offset. But when we go for, through somewhere like India, right, instead, so this one went through India, you find it lines up pretty well. You can actually model your balloon path. I think we got this one all the way to uh, the Pacific Ocean, perfect trajectory all the way around. So it really depends, Tom, to answer your question. It really depends on where you're flying um, and what's under you. So a couple questions here real quick. Um, yeah. um, the station you're going to, the, the German station, uh, I guess it's... Uh, I guess it's north of the South Pole, right? Everything's north, right? Of the South yeah. Pole. I mean, yeah. So, um, where is it? I mean, you know, like yeah, yeah. maybe what? Uh, well, what would it be? That'd be uh, uh, longitude. Yeah. Well, what yeah. Longitude? So it's um, longitude is negative eight. Uh, latitude is seventy. Minus eight. Um, yep. So, and actually, I'll show you <clears> this right here. Um, what I have set up while we're here. So these are uh, trajectory runs that run every day. Uh, they run every day. Uh, and essentially what it does is it runs a high-split trajectory. And this, what's really nice about this high-split trajectory is it accounts for the balloon rising through the atmosphere. So mm-hmm. usually when you run your high-split trajectory on you know, the high-split website or you look at the uh, trajectory on like uh, Sondhub, um, it doesn't account for the fact that you know your super pressure balloon is going to rise originally. So all this code does is it says, okay, if I launch the super pressure balloon at Niermeyer, which is shown on the map, you know where the trajectory starts, mm-hmm. and I uh, have an ascent rate of around one meter per second, you know it varies. Um, this is where it's going to go, and this goes out around 120 hours. You can see right here, I have the map plotted up here with the different surface types. I'll explain that in a second. Um, I also have latitude versus trajectory age. Um, this is trajectory speed right here. So you can see the speed that your balloons could be moving. Uh, trajectory rainfall. This is really important. You know, if you want to avoid big convective storms, um, 
I like to use this plot to make sure I'm not going to hit like a an overshooting top. You know, this is especially important when we get closer to you know warmer waters where we might have some convection. Um, I also have trajectory altitude, and you can see when we do different surface types, it varies, right? So this is the model vertical motion. So this is the direct meteorological model. So your model, seeing. your modeler is showing that it's staying pretty much around the, what the continent of down here. I mean, it's staying. It's not yeah, moving up. Yeah. It's not moving up high and going across Argentina or Chile or. Well, we'll see because yeah. I'll show you different examples. Um, because if you scroll down here, right, I mean, these run every day, so uh -huh. it's going to change, right? So, for instance, uh, and as we move closer to the actual launch date um, in the summertime, uh, the meteorology is obviously going to change, right? So, yeah, right now, yeah. we're running for, like, today, mm -hmm. see what happens, um, where it might not be, like, you know, the same, uh, you know, later, Um so you can see, you can go on this uh, website. This is actually a Twitter bot. So you can actually, when I click on this, it will uh -huh. actually take you to Ashbot. So at Ashbot, um, this username right here. So these actually, this was actually posted eight hours ago. So all this does is this runs all automatically posts. Mm -hmm. So um, we can essentially just go on this website, go on this Twitter uh, handle right here, and you can actually just have the model run for you. You don't have to, you know, do your own thing so it's really nice and it's also it creates kind of like an ensemble uh you've probably seen the trajectory ensemble option on high split and it gives a better estimation of where the balloon's gonna go because yeah. i plotted all four surface types so you have constant density constant um uh entropy which is the isotropic surface the isobaric surface which is pressure and then there's model and you can see that can vary sometimes they align pretty well and sometimes they're like you know 100 miles off so this is a good yeah. indication of see where, which path it will take so you know up at our latitudes we fly we we generally fly uh west to east and um it's very very unusual i think for a balloon to go below the equator so oh, yeah. we're, we're going to be in a completely different uh uh area here now, are, are these still pretty much going to be going uh, west to east? You know, hey, it, down, down in Australia, when you flush the toilet, it runs it runs backwards, right? I mean, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's, is it going to still go west to east here? I mean, you know. I mean, I mean, you can just see the models. It can vary. I mean, that's yeah. what's so incredible about this uh, this location is, uh, you know, I've done the Pico balloons too, and usually it's, you know, west to east, especially in the yeah. winter time yeah. for us. It just you launch it you could have that balloon come back over you in a week right i mean it's incredible well really you may you may today. if you followed our 112 it's still up it's been up now 130 days yeah uh it went all the way on the very first lap around it went all the way past japan it turned around and came all the way back maybe. yeah i saw that that's and, that yeah. that's really amazing because essentially what happens in the summertime uh the stratosphere behaves really weird it's um when you have your your jet, your polar jet that recedes, and you know mm -hmm. it's not being you know driven by your west to east motion, the stratosphere actually dominates uh, thermally. So that's why you can have those like changes in wind direction, where instead of it being dominated by like low pressure to high pressure systems, it's actually dominated dominated by heat. So you'll actually have that balloon go the opposite direction. It's really interesting. Um, 
So I've been. That's one of my. You know, the the flight I saw that time. I was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, he's going to be the first person to go around backwards the world. Yeah, backwards. I thought I thought we were. We were we were only about nine thousand miles short, man. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they was like, oh, not to be. Maybe another time. Yeah. Right? So so you're gonna so we're gonna fly with with helium, and that's gonna yes. be that's gonna be a few thousand feet less probably. And yeah, know. yeah. So and, uh, uh, are you taking anything special? I'm gonna put some. Uh, you know these these uh these Yokohama balloons the the input is so small. I I'm going to I use heat shrink tubing to slide in there. It slides in really easy and it doesn't damage it. I'll throw a couple pieces of heat shrink tubing. I don't know what you're going to have down there or if you're taking something special, but you might have an issue getting there, you know, their hose that fills up a you know, 500 cubic foot balloon. It might yeah, not yeah. plug into our balloon very good. You know, it, it's funny you you mentioned that. I actually, when I gave this presentation to the station leaders, that was kind of one of the questions I asked. And essentially, what I plan on doing is, um, you know, when I've done these launch these Yokohama balloons with Bill, is uh, we have these little. Uh, essentially he has this little fill tube and it has a rubber housing yeah. or rubber tube you put on, and it goes to this white, you know, pretty thin tube. Yeah. And then you stick it in the neck and you fill it up like that. You fill it, you put it on the scale, you weigh it, and you kind of repeat that process. Uh-huh. Um, so he's given me a fill tube, um, but worse comes to worse, it, you know, if I get down there and you know I don't have the right fittings, what I can do, and this is really interesting, is what you do is you take a rubber balloon, um, kind of, or you know, some very small latex balloon, and you can actually wrap that latex balloon over the nozzle and zip tie it. And then you have the other side of the balloon, you know, it's it's cut, so it's open. And that's zip-tied to your uh, puller. So you can oh, yeah, adapt yeah. anything okay. to the same housing, and you don't need, you know, a fitting. Because you just need a little bit of helium coming out that little tube. And you can kind of... And, and you know, it, that, like that. that brings up another point. You know, when, we, when we're filling these balloons up, we, we fill them up to, you know, a tenth of a gram. And yeah. I can just see a two-inch hose coming from their... Uh, you know, coming from their helium tanks, you know, and a big valve on it, you know. Yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, it's you're going to have to regulate it somehow, man, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually seen what they, uh, where they do, and I'll take a lot of photos as well, They're, They where yeah. they launch their balloons out of. Actually, I'll pull up a photo. Um, so, you know, Snares Meyer Station 3. That's the exact station. Uh, so, if I go yeah. to images, the yeah. first thing that comes up is that you know this. That's a bad photo. Uh, is this big? You can see this red thing at the top yeah. right here. You see that? That's where they launch their balloons out of. It's right at the top. So there's this uh, high bay door that comes up. Yeah. They have a fuel station, and they literally r- launch them right off the roof. So that I think that's where we're going to be doing it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of fun, right? We get uh-huh. to be on the top of the action. Um, but then that's where I also talked with the meteorological person down there. That's where they have their fill station. So yeah, they actually have these massive, I mean, I'm talking massive helium tanks that are actually at the bottom here right. and they, it goes, it's run all the way up to the top right here. So, um, that's probably where I'm going to be doing it. Um, another thing he recommended I do, cause you know, as we know, the fill process for this is really sensitive. Your free lift measurement needs to be like, you know, perfect right you want your eight grams of lift like right on the dot um but when you have like an ac or something blowing and you know you're trying to measure on this jewelry scale and it's like oscillating back and forth you know it's not gonna work right um so what he recommended i do is you know if you don't have a room 
or let's say this, you know, there's too much, you know, air coming in this hut up here. Mm-hmm. He recommended just fill up a weather balloon and bring the weather balloon inside, and then transfer the weather balloon yeah. helium into the super fresh balloon. Yeah, I, I was going to say just you know a balloon yeah. and just you know transfer so, it. Yeah, you know That'll if work. it if it works, it works. You know, but yeah. I mean, what's great about this is we don't need a lot of helium, right? That's what's so excellent right, is right. your um and. I mean, that's kind of what I wrote in the proposal, too. It's like we could launch 10 of these and get, you know, months and months and months worth of data for nothing. You know, no helium. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so kind of going back to what I was talking about, you know, like I said, we've done a lot of flights. Uh, and, you know, I know you, Tom, have done a lot of flights. Um, I've noticed in the southern hemisphere, you know, people who fly these, they don't last as long as, you know, we do. Um, they usually get, you know, caught up in some, you know, some tropical storm. The Philippines is usually pretty bad too around that area. There's mm-hmm. a lot of tropical, you know, big storms come up and you can see your balloon ice up and it starts to come down. And um, so I'm really interested where um, when we're launching these on the Antarctic continent, uh, I really want to preface uh, the trajectories that keep us over Antarctica. I think that's what's going to be interesting mm-hmm. is instead of launching where you know, we have these big trajectories that take us, you know, up towards New Zealand or even to Australia or South America. I think I want to focus more on the trajectories that take us, you know, close to the, you know, the South Pole. You know, I think that'd be really interesting. You can see this trajectory run on one of them had us crossing directly over the South Pole. And I like that because, one, we get to go really slow, right, and kind of stay in the area, get some good mm-hmm. propagation data. But we also get that probably higher solar angle right as you get closer to the south pole in the summertime you're going to have you know the sun higher so we could more likely have a uh, higher you know transmission rates and this down here this is actually the solar flux versus trajectory age so you can actually pair uh right here um when you're going to have no sun and when you're going to have sun so that's also a really useful plot as well so hopefully when we get closer to launch time we'll actually see these solar flux plots we're never going to go to zero. We're always going to have some solar flux fly on our trajectory. So it'd be really nice. Well, so far it's looking good, man. It's exciting to think, yeah. to think this through. Now I have, I do have a question for you, Tom. So mm-hmm. all the flights that you've done, you know, you've you've done so many, you know, W five KUB flights. You know, that data, the just, you know, the the trajectory data, you know, the latitude, longitude, altitude, time um, is really useful for what I do. You know, I love to, you know, run trajectories and kind of compare to the trajectories. Um, that's what I did for a paper we actually just published. Um, we do a lot of trajectory runs. This was a really interesting case where we actually have one of the super pressure balloons get caught in a low pressure system. This low pressure system was causing a drought. California. And you can actually mm-hmm. see when you run all the trajectories, they all agree up until the point when you start to leave the low pressure cell. And then they're all like, they have no idea where this balloon is going, right? So we call that the flow separation. It's really neat. So this balloon actually doubled back and went back towards Russia, whereas some of them predicted the balloon getting stuck in the low pressure system. Some of them expected it to go back over to North America. So that's a really interesting case study. But the reason why I'm asking is, do you have your flights saved in a, like a CSV file for all the flights you've done? Like, you know, do you we do we do not, and maybe that's something that you and I can talk about and figure out how yeah. to do that. I'll be glad to share any of it with you. You know. Yeah, because because um, I know 
you you port all your data to you know APRS. Uh, right. I, I've seen so. Yeah. Um, I mean, if that's know, out there, I don't know how long it stays out there. So I I mean, you can see like for instance, let's go to uh, mm -hmm. let's go to one of your recent. Let's go to this was updated five minutes ago. W five KB fourteen, right? So. Um, I think this is the one you're testing, right? Mm, oh, uh, yeah. Four, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, 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 four. Let me do one, 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 four. Yeah. So, like for instance, let's look at uh, let's look at um, this one right here. So, I believe what you can do, what would be really awesome, is you can actually go. I don't know if you've ever exported data from APRS, um, but I've started doing this for your flights. If you go to mm -hmm. data export tool. And you, you know, uh, you yeah. log in to your. Oh gosh, uh, there's no way I'm going to remember this <laughs> this password. Yeah. Um, but if you log in, um, let's see if it'll let me in. I think I'm going to forget it. But essentially, you can actually download your uh, all your APRS data in the form of a CSV, and I think it, it's on there for a year. So I've actually oh, okay. uh, started downloading some of, and it's literally just the packet, you know, as a CSV file. Um, so I've down. That's how I've, you know, compiled all the data for, you know, my flights for the yeah. for the BAM study that I did. Um, so man, you well, think you know what I hate is you you make a password for something, you think to yourself, I'm going to remember that, huh. and then you get to it, and then you don't remember it. So. But essentially, I mean, I think uh, that would be really nice to have because sure. you know, all we this, can, this data is so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like I said, you know, these were the flights that I did. I think, you know, we did the K4UH flights. You probably, people have probably seen those. Uh, so we uh, have been doing those flights. These are the flights we did, I think, three, I think now a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, so Dash 6 stayed up the longest, 152 days. Um, and uh, Dash 4, uh, you know, was only up for a month, but it was probably by far the fastest. You know, we launched it, you know, somewhere in the wintertime. So um, I'm very excited to, you know, to launch so many balloons down in the Antarctic because mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, this has been done before, like, you know, these Pico balloons ever. You know, this is the first time this is ever going to be happening. So we're literally making history. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Um, but, um yeah, so that that's you know kind of what my plan is. Like I said, I'm leaving around um, November seven uh, or eighth, um, so I will be traveling. I, I I head out to Germany, and then I go from Germany to Cape Town, Africa, and then Cape Town to uh, kind of like a runway station in Antarctica, and then that station to uh, Niermeyer. So um, essentially, how it's going to work is I think. You know, I'm going to try to figure out internet situations just so we can coordinate back and forth, um, maybe via email or if you want to set up some other way we can communicate. Yeah. Um, but I'll be watching, you know, these trajectories. I mean, everybody's going to, if you have the link, you know, the Twitter bot, you'll see what I'll be seeing um, so we can talk about what we think the best you know, days are. And I think what's really useful about having that APRS flight right off the bat is we can we can kind of figure out you know are these balloons going to fly are they going to achieve super pressure in these really really cold environments so um, that's what's going to be interesting um, to see how that works out 
Yeah, let's uh, just, you know, as you have time, let's uh, try to figure out how we might can. Or you can contact me after you get down here because yeah, you got to figure out, you know, is, is texting, that's pretty low in data usage, you know, texting. Yeah. You know, maybe we text or something. You just figure it out and uh, we'll stay in touch like that. And then also, when when you're going to be coming back the end of December, so maybe in January we get you in here and we have kind of a a follow up show and we talk about talk about it and you'll have some video yeah. maybe. Yeah, I'll have all oh, pictures. Gosh, gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm hopefully gonna that. I'm gonna record as much as I can. Maybe I'll make a little video. So we'll see. Um, but I mean, it's it's in a really big adventure because and what I really love about Niermeyer and what's so unique is you know it is a german station but the fact that they make these open calls to people all around the world um that can you know say hey i want station time like this is why my research is important um everybody's going down there at once and trying to do their research and it's like this kind of big family right so you have people doing research on you know uh, uh you know just the climate stuff you have people wanting to do stuff on uh clouds on you know the the, the life there the penguins we're actually going to have two film crews down there, one for Apple TV and I think one for Amazon Prime. They're doing one on penguins and they're doing another one on sea life down um, on the ice shelf. So okay. that's exciting of itself is, you know, there there's so many different people, so many different backgrounds uh, that are at one station. Um, you know, we're all eating dinner together every every night. So it's going to be a really good time for sure. Um, All right. Well, let's see. If you're through with your presentation, you can turn it off. And, of course. Uh, yeah. Trying to get your uh, your uh, video back on here. Okay, how do I? Uh, I guess just that. unshare. That would be. Here we go. There you go. Now, let's see. Now you're back with us. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, hey, man. You know, man. Good stuff. I'm excited. Uh, it's gonna be gonna be fun. Uh, I plan on uh, having uh, a shipment to you. Uh, to you no later than november 1st in fact it might come in a few days earlier you know maybe yeah the 29th the 30th or something like that you know yeah of course and you know tom let me def definitely let me know if you know i have this this code running that you know does the high split trajectories but i can do it for any location in the world so if you oh, want me cool. to do it for okay. where you know you're all are launching and have it pushed uh at a certain time yeah uh, well, I'll tell you what's interesting right now is our, our W5KB112, and it is just uh, passed over northern Japan, and um, the projection I saw on Sunday Hub uh, is taking it straight north toward the North Pole, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's heading north again. It's already been up there once for about a week, and... Uh, uh, the sun angles are just so low up here; it's not talking to us. So it's kind of kind of in the dark right now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that's you know and that's uh, probably going to happen to us down there too. Hey, the nice thing is, if these things stay up down here, uh, we're going to have one with more flat panels, and we're going to have one that Jim's working on there that has the uh, side uh, solar panels for low light. So you know, if we make it into winter time, maybe uh, maybe one of them will work uh, better than the other one. You know, I mean, maybe yeah. maybe one to be yeah. summer and one to be winter if we can keep them up that long. You know, <laughs> exactly. I mean that that's gonna that's what's gonna be interesting. You know, if we launch yeah. these, I mean, we've seen these Yokohama balloons do amazing, right? They stay up for a lot a lot, long time. They're they're smaller and they're cheaper. Um, I I think it'd be amazing if we could have all you know seven of these things flying at once and yeah. You know, 
yeah. uh, uh, that would be awesome, incredible. So we'll definitely think about that because that's another thing we have to think about. Do we want to launch these more towards the beginning of the time I'm there, or should I wait towards, you know, maybe more towards December to launch them when the sun angle is higher? So there's a lot of factors. Yeah. To consider you know, sure. I, hey, uh, we're excited about doing it as soon as possible. I mean, you know, so hey, yeah. if they don't talk back much the first uh, few weeks or a month, I mean, it'll eventually start getting better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, we'll be, you know, we'll be watching it every day there. So. So, yeah, we'll send you the turnkey uh, deal. This is going to be, uh, here's, uh, here's uh, this is going to be 114, I think, yeah, right that, here. Yeah, that's beautiful. This is going to be 114, and uh, we've even got some super caps on it. We normally don't fly super caps on here, but we've got some super caps on there, and uh, um, just in case, you know, the thing rotates out of the sun or something, we didn't want it going off, but... Uh, Jim, uh, Jim's working on the ones yep. with Jim's working on the ones with the vertical panels, which uh, should, you know, if you look yeah. at the vertical panels, I mean, they should see the sun from sunrise till really high, and then back down again. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that yeah. is that actually the configuration you're doing where it's like a. Yep. Wow, that's that's a really good idea. Well, actually. it's going to be in in, in uh, it's just going to be three sided instead of four. Yeah. Uh, I, I found out I've done some 45 degrees, just two sided. In fact, uh, um, 113 is heavy, and it's it's got two sided cells at 45 or the other at 45 each, and uh, they pretty much pick the sun up. We're we're seeing we're seeing some sun like minus 1.6 degrees. Oh my gosh! You know when it picks insane. it up. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh you know uh, real low angles you know from from sunrise and then again at sunset whereas this one is going to take probably 20 degrees this one's going to take 20 yeah. degrees so we yeah. might not get much out of this guy but maybe uh maybe the other one that, that uh, jim's working on there and we, we yeah. ship it maybe it'll get better it'll probably yeah, pick it, up better yeah it, it should this is actually a, a prototype of what we're working on i uh it's got a, a 3D printed frame in it just to give us some some dimensions and, and working um, configurations with it. We're actually going to take this design and we're going to put a little space in between where the panels meet. Because uh, Michael, who uh, is on our team, um, believe it or not, has access to an environmental chamber. So we've been able to test some of our glues and uh, yeah. materials, including some... Um, low temperature tape, fiberglass tape, um, to minus uh, 90 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So we found out which materials work better or not, and, we, and he found out that the um, fiberglass tape that we want to use works very well when you kind of tape it back to back. So we decided to put a little space between the panels so that we can get that back to back connection on the tape, which would give us some additional strength uh, and then we're going to replace these rings that you see here, which is just 3D printed uh, with some carbon fiber um, dowel or, or, or tubing that will make it fairly thin. And then we're going to run the um, uh, the diodes uh, that will prevent any charge back on the panels that mm -hmm. aren't getting the sun across the top. And then we'll probably, we haven't decided fully yet, but we'll probably put the package on the top. Yeah. Um, 
and then just the harness will attach to the fiberglass ring on the bottom from the wires through. So you just have uh, three wires or, or three harness connections packaged in the middle uh, that'll allow the GPS on the top and bottom antennas. So should yeah, should uh, looking come forward to it really quickly. Looking forward to getting that, and yeah. uh, and we'll we'll box it up with this one. And uh, I've got the balloons ready, and I've got the antennas ready for both, the twenty meter uh, dipoles yeah. ready for both. And so uh, once we get that down, and we'll uh, we'll finish them up, and we'll FedEx them down to uh, to Tom. Yeah. So, and Tom, so I, hey, I, I hope you have enough baggage that you, you they're allow, allowing <laughs> you to carry down here. You know. Yeah, so what I'm planning on doing, I'm going to bring three bags, one for, you know, clothes and other living stuff. Um, I'm going to have a Pelican case, a hard uh, carry-on Pelican case that's going to contain the trackers. Um, And I'm actually going to have these uh, plastic kind of blueprint tubes that the balloons will be rolled up in. So I'm going to carry those on as well. So my goal is to not check the uh, trackers, um, at least in the public, you know, know flights to get to germany uh, the charter flights to get to south africa and the flights to get to antarctica i'm comfortable of charter uh, checking those because it's a specific service for bringing people down to antarctica and they treat your luggage you know mm. it's a, they're they're transporting you know other science stuff so they're very careful with it but i don't want to check the trackers on just some like you know economy flight to germany <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i don't want to yeah. get lost or anything you know so um i i am gonna check my suitcase and my clothes so if my clothes get lost and i'll just yeah uh, yeah wear some that's not important know, for something uh, like i would throw a, i would throw a few groceries in one of those uh, just in case you know you have an urge to, for a snack yeah. one night you know I, so i do like kit kats so Kit-Kats. you know uh I, we talked about this earlier we're using the uh, uh power film these flexible cells here and uh we're we're making this uh kid proof in other words normally we fly the glass cells and if you just look at them wrong or you sneeze they break yeah and i knew that there was no way it was going to make it down there and you know just no way so this thing here i mean look i mean you know you can't (laughs) you know you can't you can't break it you can't break it so that's that's our uh, our goal here to try to you know put something together that won't break and and we can get to you. Yeah, uh, nice. are, now you will be able to match our balloons up with our tracker, though, right? Yes, yes. Um, essentially, what I've done, I've actually been in the lab pressure testing the ones we have already uh-huh. up to 0.4, um, and I've been labeling them. I actually have pressure curves. I actually document all the curves, uh, the flow tests and stuff. So I'm going to label your balloon um, as you know, W5KUB balloons. Okay. Um, so I'll have those. I, I'm also going to bring down extras. Um, just in case something happens. You well, that's know. good. Um, yeah. So I'll have that's those. Good. Now, what I'm thinking about doing, and I'd like y'all's opinion on this. Uh, do y'all, you know, when we're when I'm traveling with these, do you think it's fine that I, you know, let's you think about all the Yokohama balloons, right? You you suck all the air out, or you put a blanket on, so all the air comes out, um, and you have you know your balloon left, and it's just flat kind of looking bag, you know, like a circular bag. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's fine that I stack the balloons? Essentially, what I was thinking yeah. is I was going to stack five balloons per tube, and I was going to put parchment paper on the bottom, parchment paper on the top, and I was going to seal it with a painter's tape all around. Then I was going to take that parchment paper, and I was going to roll the parchment paper up. Then I was going to you put know, that in I've, the tube. 
I, I found these balloons, right? Even though these balloons are just what one mil thick. I mean, these things seem pretty strong to tell you the truth. But yeah, what I what I've done and, and uh, hey, to deflate ours, I used a vacuum cleaner and uh, really, I just uh, okay. turned the vacuum cleaner on and stuck the little uh, heat shrink tubing in there, and I could kind of. Yeah regulate the suction you know with your fingers and it it sucked every drop of air out of it yeah yeah and i uh i f- neatly folded them and i put them in ziploc bags okay really so yeah the ziploc they they make a uh you know ziploc bag this is probably like i don't know if it's a you know it's probably 10 inches square or something i mean it's a big really ziploc. you filled it you fold them up that small yeah like yeah you can do it, that? yeah really it, yeah okay. it's a big ziploc bag and uh yeah uh it's probably uh, maybe 10 inches square you know that's gonna that's gonna be a game changer tom because i i was thinking about bringing these giant because I, I figured out if i were to roll them up i could only fit five per tube or actually i could only fit around three i figured that out today i could only fit three per tube and that would mean i'd have to bring four of these poster tubes yeah. so if you're telling me that it's okay for me to fold them kind of diagonally and put them in a bag yep. like that i think it is I, I really think it is yeah. uh and uh, again, I, these balloons seem tougher than you think. Yeah, and it, that, yeah. those Ziploc bags uh, pretty well it protect them uh, from scratches and things yeah. like that. And uh, of course, we're gonna in our box. Uh, of course, I don't know after you repack the stuff, you, you may have a butcher knife next hours. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> uh, in the box that uh, we send you, there's not gonna be anything sharp up against them or anything. Yeah. And, you yeah. Know. Now, but, uh, do you think when you say you put them in Ziploc bags, do you put one per bag is that what you do yeah let me get the bag i'll show you i got one yeah, right that, here i got it good. right here because that will that means i could probably fit the balloons then in the pelican case so i could have everything in one case which would be really good instead of having these poster things to carry around like i'm a architect or something <clears throat> i think tom may be talking about like a gallon size they're like storage size ziploc bags that are about a ten inches square. That may be what he's referring to. Yeah. So yeah. here's my FedEx box to you. All right, here I got it. Okay. We'll have. Uh, we get. Here we are. Right, let me get them. Let me get a balloon out. So yeah, it's just. Yeah, all folded up. I got you a little heat shrink tube in there too, in case you need it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and you have all two. Is that do you have two in there? No, there's just, just one in this bag. That's just one. Okay, got you. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's it's pretty flat. I mean, you can you can squeeze it pretty flat. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you're right, Tom. Those things are probably very tough. I mean, they have to be if they're up in the atmosphere for months, right? I mean, going to different countries and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's not much to tie your string on. And I know Bill yeah. and even I, we punch a little hole in that, that yeah. little tab. Um, but, um, and I'm sure you probably are doing this. Uh, once you try to seal that up, r- at least wrap that string around it and fold it over mm-hmm. and then tape it, you know, so it yeah, has it's extra. Yeah, you know. on tape. And yeah. what I've done, also done here, I don't know if you can see it or not. Let's see. Well, there's a piece of tape here. For backup, um, I don't know if you can see that or not. That's that's actually the string right there. But oh yes, yeah, it, it. if you see right here, it's kind of squiggly back and forth. Yeah, and it's got a, it's it's taped right there. 
Okay. And and that then in this this line goes to that hole in the uh, filler. Yeah. So if if it tears out of the filler, it's still taped to the balloon right there. Yeah, yeah. That's and uh, the re the way I the reason I did that like that, some of these uh, Chinese or Japanese balloons, uh, actually when you when you get them, they have their string mounted on them like that. And I thought that was pretty cool, mm -hmm. the way they did that. So yeah, I'll just send them down to you and hey. I, hey, it's going to be, everything's going to be okay. Just throw everything in a suitcase and just sit yeah. on it. Sit on it. You know, get somebody to, to squash them down and, you know, lock <laughs> yeah. them up there. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll make it. All right. Well, that's that's great. That's going to save a lot of space. So thanks for the advice. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, I tell you what, it's, uh, it's uh, a little after 9 o'clock. Um I might, uh, we may we may go ahead and uh, uh, go to the show after the show and in case people have questions and want to talk a little more about this and ask you questions. Yeah. You, gonna, you feel like sticking around for a little while? Sure, yeah, I'll definitely stick Yeah, around. let me, uh, let me, let's do this. Let's go to the after the show show and uh, I'll uh, send everybody out the Zoom link and we'll see if some people want to join us here. Uh, first of all, so let's see. So, hey, we're going to the after the show show. There you go, right there. All right, and just let me uh, oh, let me do this. I'll be right back. I need to do this. Hang on. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RSBA1 app. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It is truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. It has dual receivers, digital IF filters, high resolution spectrum waterfall. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. Features include RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you very busy. It has fast processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Included are real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7300 is the high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design, and it will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. 
The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Features include RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. For more information on ICOM radios, visit www.icomamerica.com amateur. That wasn't supposed to happen. All right. Okay, hey, just real quick out there, uh, if uh, anybody is listening, and I know there are a few out there, on shortwave, you're listening to a ham radio show, shortwave show, amateur radio roundtable, it's about ham, about ham radio, and we've been talking about launching some ham radio balloons in Antarctica uh, here maybe next month, so uh, glad to have you. Send us an email if you hear us to tom at w5kub.com. Tom at W5KUB.com. And uh, please, uh, hey, subscribe to our Facebook group. It's W5KUB. And uh, we'll see you next week. Now, we're hey, we're at the we're at the show. Uh, what do you call it? After the show show? Well, I get that messed up all the time. We're in after the show show. I just posted a link up there. I don't know if anybody's tried to join yet. Uh, sometimes we don't get a whole bunch of people joining. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna open up the phone lines tonight. They're gonna have to learn how to use Zoom uh, to uh, to check in here with us. Let me post that link again in the chat room. All right. Okay. Maybe we'll have a few people here join us here in just a minute. Oh, uh, boy. I was gonna have. I, I had something to say. Um, hey, hey, Jim. Uh, just real quick, man. While we're waiting on to see if anybody's gonna join us here. Uh, uh, talk to us about NIBBB, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Boy, how do you come up with a name like that, Jim? Oh uh, yes, that, that well, it's it's taken from the movie Up. If you're familiar? Oh with yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the bottle cap and and the balloons, so that's where the uh, the name came from. Um, and I got involved with it because I'm uh, actually a, a new ham. Uh, passed my uh, tech in general back in April. And after I had passed the exam and was talking to some of the VEs, uh, one of them um, was a carry uh, KD9 ITO uh, and was talking about the balloon club. And it sounded something very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to you know tinker with stuff and uh, it, doing remarkable things with uh, things you can buy on Amazon and relatively inexpensive and fly them around the world multiple times and launch them from Antarctica. You know, it's an interesting con- contrast with, you know, technology and, and so forth. So uh, I got involved with it that way. Um, it's a local organization, uh, not necessarily affiliated with any of the local ham radio clubs. Um, we have members ranging from uh, probably 10 or 11 uh, up to people, you know, my age and slightly older. Uh, it's a very active group. Um we actually had our uh, one of the local ham club meetings last week. We had two of our younger um, members, uh, Kelsey and Gordy, uh, brother and sister, uh, present to about 50 people about our balloon uh, organization and launching Pico balloons and the the you know the dynamics of uh, the Pico balloon itself and trackers and and how you track the balloons and so forth. So it's a uh, um, 
very active organization. We, we generally launch our balloons uh, in one of the northern suburbs of Chicago. And um, you know, we've got two balloons up right now. Uh, one is on about uh, one and three quarters of the way around the world. It's uh, kind of in the Pacific uh, doldrums kind of. Uh, it actually did go south of the equator a couple times and is heading slowly back up north. Uh, and the other one is um, between China and Japan uh, on its first trip around. So uh, we've launched about, uh, I think, about 15, 16 balloons, if I remember correctly, and uh, generally get together a couple times a month for breakfast and talk about uh, different assembly activities from uh, stretching balloons and, and how to build the solar panels to... Uh, uh, the technology in the uh, trackers that we've got, uh, and um, uh, AA6DY, uh, Michael, uh, whose current balloon we have flying, uh, has designed a custom tracker, uh, and I think if I remember right, it weighs like 1.3 grams uh, with uh, the tracker and the oscillator and the GPS and everything on it. Mm -hmm. So um, just enjoying all aspects of the Pico balloon hobby, both from a ballooning perspective as well as from an amateur radio perspective yeah uh hey it's been fun for us uh, let me let me throw a screen up here and i've been following uh both of your uh, balloons here that, that one is stuck down here just below hawaii it, it hadn't been moving much and, no. and and i'm worried about the one that was uh, that out there near japan that's where i was turned around went backwards for about three weeks so uh, i don't know what's going on out there uh uh, if anybody uh, slide up w5kub.com and look at the menu, it says balloon. And right now we've got both, we 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 uh, set this up to make tracking easy for people. This is the page right here. In fact, you can see right now the two balloons we have up. Uh, one's been up 129, and one's been up 12 days. And we've got various tracking links there. We've got various maps there that shows uh, where they are. Um, you know, there they are right there. 112 right here looks like it's uh, going to kind of go just west of uh, uh, Alaska there and up into uh, the Arctic. And then over on the right side there, you see uh, 113, which is now uh, coming through Canada, and it'll be coming down in the U.S. there in a minute. Let's see. I think I can, uh, I think I got a link here. I can click. You can see both of them at the same time on the same map if you want to. So if you click right there, uh, yeah, you can see there's one over there just uh, off the coast of, uh, I don't know, Russia there, and then the one up in Canada. So uh, it's kind of cool. So we'll put, uh, we'll put uh, on, on the site, we'll set it up for the Antarctica balloons that, that we're flying for the show here that, that uh, Todd's going to take down for us. Um, and... Um, uh, hopefully we're gonna have a lot of fun with it here and uh uh we really appreciate too uh the help that uh, michael and and jim there are doing on that that one there to uh, get it ready and uh we uh we think we've got a, so a bug in our software todd that's causing us uh, some slight slight issues we've been fighting that and uh, michael's gonna work on that all day tomorrow and uh, hopefully we'll get that cleaned up and get some, make sure we got some good clean software uh, on our uh, uh, on our tracker. So that's kind of where we we're going right there. Um, 
Man, I can't believe nobody's called in on Zoom tonight. I can't believe that. Come on, guys. What's going on here? Especially uh, especially our friend down in Uruguay. He usually calls in on a show on Zoom every every uh, Charlie calls in. So, uh, Tom, I just want to thank Todd yeah. for uh, offering his time and expertise and taking the balloons down and, and launching them. And uh, it, uh, it's not easy when we launch them, you know, uh, in our backyard, let alone uh, yeah, in the true. bottom of the world. So, Todd, thanks for all, all your time and effort in uh, preparation and shipping and uh, and launching them. It's, it's, uh, Something that we would never have been able to do on our own for sure. Yeah, of and I course. want pictures. I want to see you launching eighty mile an hour winds when the whiteout. <laughs> you know, with a, with a good whiteout there. Oh man! So hey, hey Jim, back to you. Uh, so <laughs> hey, hey, tell me where the uh, this this. Uh, oh, you 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 told me uh, it came it came from the movie Up. Yes. And uh, hey, that was a pretty good movie. My 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 favorite part of the movie were was the two old guys getting this fight, you know, and they're all bent over, mm-hmm. and they they kind of get up, you know, straighten up, and they back yeah. their backs crackle a little bit, you know. That's kind of like yeah. me right now, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of like me when I'm trying to yeah, you know, yeah. pick something up when we're launching one of the balloons. That was a cool movie, and that was a balloon. Yeah, yeah that was a balloon show, and uh, yeah. Man, the guy, the guy lifted his entire house with balloons. So, wow. Yeah. What it, an it wasn't exciting exactly adventure. The, the Pico balloon approach, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, hopefully we'll uh, be able to go as far as he did. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Okay. What, what, what else is going on with you guys right now while we're waiting on somebody to, to join us? Anybody? Anything else going on? No? Okay. Well, let's see. Maybe I can think of something. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, we imported the weather this week, you know, just for Todd so he can get used to the cold weather. <laughs> well, that's true. It, it, it's it, it has turned colder where you're going. It has, turned, it has turned cold here, or cool. I'll put it that it's way. It's going to get down to 29 tonight. Is that right? Man. Yes, sir. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Well... Take away another fifty degrees, and you'll have what Todd's going to be doing in a couple of weeks. Yeah, hey, I, I I was doing some research down there, and I mean, in the summertime, I mean, some of the temperatures can can almost approach fifty degrees down there, right? Is that right, Todd? Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably the average of the summer peak summertime is zero Celsius, so right yeah. at freezing, which isn't that bad. I mean, compared to you know, we have freezing temperatures here. So yeah, yeah. The biggest thing is. Uh, it's actually surprising to think about, but um, they recommend you bring sunscreen. Surprisingly, because if wow. you think about it, mm-hmm. the ozone layer is yeah. you know is not kind of goes away during. Well, that I think time. you got that big hole in the ozone layer down there, mm-hmm. exactly. uh, and the ultraviolets will come through it. So I, I would yeah. protect yourself, you know. Exactly, and it's yeah. also surprisingly, you know, you think of Antarctica being cold, but it's also really dry. It's actually. Mm-hmm. People like to say, oh, the Sahara Desert's the largest desert. It's actually, yeah. Antarctica is the largest desert. Yeah, yeah, um, I read it. They tell you to bring chapstick because your lips can just get so dry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Down there. Well, you know, ultraviolet is a concern. I know Jim has looked into that. Uh, we have looked into it over the years. We've only had one person that wanted to uh, use um, uh, ultraviolet cells on his balloon because uh, he was doing an experimental balloon and uh, he was going to fly at 55,000. This was before anybody was getting up there. 
and he was afraid the sales were going to go bad, uh, you know, at that hike. But uh, you know, uh, over the last three or four years of doing this, I don't. I, of course, it's hard to tell what's what's going on up here, but. I mean, the many balloons that are going up there six, seven months now, eight months. I mean, I, I don't think we have a real UV problem. Uh, I'm sure there is a problem, but, you know, maybe something else is going to get it before the UV does. It might get shot down, actually, before the UV gets it, you know. Because <laughs> we, uh, we fly over some, uh, some uh, interesting places there. We do, we do uh, have geofencing. Uh, in our trackers, which uh, keeps it from transmitting in certain places, we don't want to start uh, World War Three uh, for sure. Yeah, Tom, uh, are yeah. there any um, geofence countries in the uh, Southern Hemisphere? Uh, I don't, I don't know, but you know, uh, I don't think there I, are. I guess we're not going to probably worry about that right now. Uh, you know, one of them that uh, is kind of close to my mind is North Korea, actually. And mm-hmm. I spent yeah, a year in the military. The I spent a year in the military in Korea. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting to think back. I mean, and we've flown a number of uh, our balloons over South Korea. I think we had one maybe. This last one might have gone over North Korea. But, uh, you know, back, and that, that was a long time ago when I was there. It was like a 50 years ago when I was down there. And, uh, you know, I never would have thought back then, standing on the ground there in Korea, that someday, 50 years from now, I'd be flying a balloon over the top here. <laughs> because back then, there was no way to track it or trace it or know where it was going, and nobody had done it. And, you know, just that's one of those new inventions, I guess, that popped up, you know, over the years, if you can call it an invention. It's definitely a collaboration of different technologies for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, well, Glenn, uh, my uh, my rotors, of course, I got my rotors fixed, but I still haven't had time to even hook my my new 9700 up and play with the satellite stuff any. You know, I, I need to get back on. I used to be pretty active on the satellite stuff. What we need to do is figure out how how to make these Pico balloons a satellite. You know, <laughs> maybe fly them. Maybe fly them. Uh, you know, get them up to about eighty thousand feet. You know, maybe well, do something like Elon Musk is doing. Man, you know, like like you were talking about, Todd. We, we get a whole constellation of them up here, man, and you know, they're all talking to each other. Yeah, we'll just have to call it Antlink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me. I got a picture here. Let's see. Here we go. I didn't even show it tonight. There we go. There we go. That's it. Yeah. There's uh, there's Huey, right. Dewey, Huey Dewey and Louie right there. <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be the call sign on them? Uh, well, for the show, for the show, we, we're going to do that. Uh, of course, you're you're going to be one of your one of the calls is your call is going to be a whisper call, KG. Uh, KW5GP. Uh, the other call, Jim, we're using your call, right? KD9UQB. Uh, I, think, I guess so. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think what, what we the, are. What the club had decided. So. I think we are. Uh, okay. But for for our show purposes and to track it, and as this was a show project, kind of as it started off here with Todd, that we're gonna we're gonna port them to APRS as 
W5KUB114 and 115. But there's nothing on Python to keep you from porting it to uh, to uh, APRS's KD9 UQB-11 if you wanted to, you know. And that's what I was telling uh, uh, Michael that, uh, you know, it can have uh, uh, several different names if, you know, people choose to do that. But it's starting to get a little complicated, you know. KG5... I mean, KW5GP is W5KB14, and this is on channels 1 and 7. This is on channels 1 and 5, and uh, and we've got multiple ones up there. It's starting to get a little complicated, so I've got to put a little bit better documentation together uh, to so I'll know what's in each, you know, what's in the package for, for this one that's flying, and what's in the package for this one. <laughs> And, uh, you know, all our balloons, uh, man, I, I, I track those on paper pretty, uh, pretty regularly. Uh, when I get a, a, a track on APRS or whatever, I'll write the time down, the altitude. I'll write down the speed and the, uh, the voltage and, um, you know, make certain notes uh, there. Uh, I need to stop doing that because it's getting real time-consuming now. Now with the two, two still up here flying... And if we get two more up, it's, it's going to be impossible to do so. Um, but it's going to be fun. That's a good thing. The more balloons you get in the air, more more things to track. So, Yeah. I will say it's going to be interesting on that uh, APRS map. You know, you can only show 2D. Uh, and, you know, Antarctica is this giant, long you know, map on there. So probably mm-hmm. the best thing to do is download Google Earth and put the tracks on Google Earth as a KML. Yeah, you know, I don't know how it's going to show. That's an interesting point. It, it may mm-hmm. just look like a straight line kind of going back and forth there or something. I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. Or, or is it, will, it go off the, will it go off the map? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I need somebody to show me how to, how to actually plot it to Google Map. I, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to do that sometime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, embed uh, my sounds, own map. Sounds like Todd's your sub, uh, subject matter expert. Yeah, I here. think well, he is. <laughs> let me, uh, Tom, if you're interested, let me pull it up. I think, yeah, so let me pull it. Sh- I can share my screen again. I can show you yeah. right now how to do it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, show me and uh, anything I can steal, you know, uh, or reuse. Uh, let's yeah. see. Uh, what so you can actually do it directly from. Um, so, so I understand Google Map. I mean, I can I can embed a Google Map, but uh, I, I I need to I need to see how you get it to the Google Map. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Let's pull up. I'll pull up W five thirteen. Are you gonna sh- Are you gonna tell me it's that simple? You're gonna have thirteen on a Google Map just like this. So yeah, watch this. So, oh man. Y'all see this? So if you're Man. on APRS.fi, um, you can go to Google Earth KML right here. And you have to have the Google Earth software downloaded on your computer, yeah. which is some free oh, oh, software. Okay. So once you do that, you can open up. Um, you can click down your download. You know, Google Earth will load. Well, um, let, me, let me ask you a question. Do, do you, to view it, do you have to have Google Earth downloaded or something? Yes. Yes. So well, okay. okay. So so I can't online, just I can't just embed I can't just embed the Google page, well, right? I think I think you can because Google Earth. There's two Google Earth versions. There's yeah. The online yeah. version where you can 
import right. your own projects, and then there's the software. So, right. for instance, the software one, when you download the file, you can see this is... Uh, oh, uh, man. Uh, oh, right man. Here. So you can actually see <laughs> yeah, the balloon right here. So this actually, what's great about this is this updates, too. So yeah. when APRS updates, Google Earth on the software updates as well. Yeah. So, and that's showing, that's showing the altitude right there. Yep. So that's yeah. your 3D. And what's really cool is you can get your little stick figure and he can he can kind of pretend you're on the ground to see where it would be in the sky. I like to do that when they come by to see if I can see it, but I never see it. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I can look around. It's, it's hard to orientate yourself here. Let me... Woo! Where'd it go? Oh, there it was. I'm right under it. There it was. Yeah. I was, I was right under it's it. to the right, maybe. Where'd it go? Hold on. Is, it, is it to the right? Let me maybe? get off. I think I, I positioned myself too. Yeah. You'll be surprised when you're looking, when you're on the ground, how far up it is in the sky. Um, yeah. So let me, let me go up. Let's go about right here. Where is, where'd it go? That is so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really great because, you know, yeah. you have this tool that is connected to the APRS. And you can actually see. You can see this is the, the stuff that's around there. Oh, here it is right here. So you can – this is also, you know, other APRS, you know, objects yeah. that are around. So this is great for, like, when you're doing just true 144, mm. you know, uh, you can see your eye gates as well, what you're connecting to. So mm -hmm. you can see, like, if I'm standing on this road – no, there it would be that high up, right? Right up there. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's really cool when it's going back above you. You can pair yourself to where you are, and then you can see. Okay, it should be right up there in the sky. If I look at the Google Earth and I look at the sky, it should be right there, um, which is really neat. So I I hope that helped. Uh, <laughs> it's well, kind of fun yeah. to track on Google Earth. All right. Well, hey, when you get back, if you don't freeze to death, let's talk. And uh, maybe you can give me yeah. some pointers on how to uh, to do that. That would also be good to put in some of our presentations that we put together. Uh, the the 3D look there you've got and so forth. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. I've I've learned a lot. I mean, it's. I think I started doing pico ballooning, you know, three years three years ago now. And first balloon I did was out of my dorm room. I actually had the the tank in my dorm room. I oh yeah. Up in my dorm room. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was uh, one of a Bill Brown's uh, APRS yeah. trackers. Went around the world once and then got sucked up into a hurricane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we did a uh, high altitude balloon once about a, probably a year and a half ago. Um, Weather balloon. We, you know, we um, recovered it. We uh, had, I think, we had three cameras in it. GPS, a couple different GPS trackers and so forth, and uh, I think we reached uh, 108,700 108, feet. That was pretty cool. It was up about three hours total. And um, oh, like a latex balloon? Okay. Yeah, it was a it was a big uh, uh, latex uh, weather balloon. And we launched it and uh, launched it in Tennessee. Uh, there's a prediction model out there that we used, and it showed it heading west, then south, and then west, and then south. And uh, 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, the track was right on that. I've, I've got a compare. I've got a, a slide that shows the projection and the true path it took, and it was right on it. And oh, it yeah. went. It went sixty. It was sixty-two miles. It went to a different state, and uh, we were there waiting on it. We went. We we beat it down here and went to breakfast, waiting on it. And we got after breakfast, we went out to, to get it. And it went to the wrong turn in the neighborhood. Uh, but we were within hundreds of yards of it where it came down, um, and uh, we actually pulled in this cove. And okay, where is it? You know, I mean, we 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 couldn't get a visual on it. I guess trees and different things, but where yeah. was it? So I pull up the uh, I pull up the the uh, the uh, spot me I think is what it was, and uh, then we look at it. We overlay the Google map on there, and it showed it in a backyard of a, of two houses down. <laughs> and uh, we backed up, pulled in a driveway, and walked back there, and there it was. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, Tom, I, uh, you know, as what's really fun is merging my major atmospheric science with you know, my <clears throat> love of ballooning. I've gotten so good about predicting balloon, these latex balloon paths. I've gotten to the point where I can drive to it, wait there two hours, and it lands right at my feet. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how this, that's how this was. Yeah. I mean, but you know what? We, that was, that was exciting. It was, it was fun, but I don't know that I'll ever do it again because we really? were so lucky. We were so lucky. Everything worked out perfect uh, on that flight for us. If we launched another one, I guarantee you it would go down in a swamp somewhere or a forest somewhere. We would never find it. We'd lose all our cameras and everything. So I don't know that we're going to do another one. Well, what's funny, you bring up the idea of, of, uh, um, these latex flights, I'm actually involved in another project where we've developed a system, a venting balloon system. We call it the smart balloon. Essentially what you can do is you can vent the gas to float yeah. the latex balloon. Yeah. And then what we actually do is we run high split predictions to drive it to where we want to go because we know where the winds are blowing at each altitude. Yeah. So we can program a flight plan to say, okay, I need to vent here. We also have a ballast tank in it so we can drop liquid from it to change the mass of the payload so then we can change the altitudes and drive it to where we want to go it's really cool yeah. so we've done a lot of really crazy things where we've skimmed you know above mm. the ground and we went back up then <clears> we <throat> went up to the stratosphere then we came back down and all sorts of cool things so um, well we've you know stuff like that so you're there in college doing all these neat and great things now 50 years ago i was in college Arkansas Tech, and we actually sent some balloons up then. We actually took some plastic clothes bags, you know, like a suit would come in, and we would tape them together, make a big old long cigar-like thing. And back, yeah. hey, back then, you know, you'd go over to the chemistry lab at night to do your work and stuff. I mean, nobody checked you. or I mean, back then, you know, there wasn't any crime or nothing. But we, uh, we were filling up the balloons with uh, natural gas, and uh, it will float. A little bit, you know. Yeah. But uh, we, we, I have a friend that was a ham friend there that was uh, with the FAA, and he was going to see if he could track one for us. And so he calls Little Rock, and uh, he talks to the main people in Little Rock. Hey, there's going to be this balloon. We're going to try to track it, you know. Yeah, it's going to have, you know, like a hundred, couple hundred feet of cubic, a couple hundred cubic feet of natural gas in it, blah, 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 you know. And the next thing I know, we're getting called into the dean's office, man. The FAA called him and said, we're going to, you know, and he just said, well, you, you shouldn't be launching that balloon, you know. <laughs> so, 
So, so yeah, we did balloon, yeah. we did some balloons back years ago, man. Never know, never thought it would turn into something like this. Yeah, it's it's addicting. It really is. Yeah, uh, I'm a a balloonatic. That's what they call us, balloonatics. Yeah. Uh, but uh, all right, well, Tom, I'm just I'm gonna go ahead and head off okay. for tonight. Um, I have a few. Homework assignments I need to do, which is yeah. I wish I could keep talking. You better get on it, man. Uh, oh, yeah. But thank you all so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited. It's a really great collaboration that we're going to have. We're going to get a lot of cool flights and beta. And, um, it's really exciting. So. Yeah. Hey, Todd, thanks so much for coming on, man. This is exciting. And, uh, man, we appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I'll get those FedEx down to you uh, just as quick as I can. Be safe when you go down there. Have fun. You know, of course I will, and yeah, I'll I'll keep I'll keep you updated and uh, see if they got some dry. Ice. See if they got some dry ice down there. I'm sure they. You think they'll probably have some dry ice on? Oh, probably for sure. Look, man, hey, get some dry ice. <laughs> you know, one of these one of these thing, these ice chests. Get some dry ice in here. Bring me back a big snowball from down here, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was okay. say bring back a penguin. Okay. Yeah, that, oh, that yeah, might be, that's what be, I thought that I was going to say. I was say, bring back a penguin. That may be illegal. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good night, man. Thanks for being with us. All right. Enjoyed we'll it. see y'all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Yep. yep. Take care. All right. I want to put the link in here again and just see if anybody else wants to join us. There's a link right there. I think that's just going to be so cool to watch that mm. track from, from down there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your Absolutely. your call's gonna be on Whisper down here, so Very cool. You know. If it uh if it crashes and lands on top of that North Pole, you know, that pole sticking up down here and it keeps <laughs> transmitting all the time, you know, and it's cluttering up the airwaves, uh, they're gonna say, Who is that? I'm gonna say that's KW five GP. That's that's yeah. who it is. <laughs> Send them over here. Yeah. You know, I got a, a text from Michael a couple of weeks ago about this and you know, it's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, an opportunity to launch a balloon in the Antarctic. You know, do you think, you know, you'd be willing to make solar panels for it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, like I had to think about it. Yeah. Like who, yeah. who wouldn't say yes to an opportunity like that, just to, to be a part of a project that's going to launch it's, something from the Antarctic? So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, kind of, you know, it's one of these once-in-a-lifetime type uh, ham radio deals, you know. I mean, uh, the opportunity probably isn't going to come around a whole lot. I just hope we got some good weather down there, and uh, and and can uh, you know he he's going to face some issues down there. You know uh, that's going to be the interesting part. You know he's going he's going to face weather issues, wind issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I, I I still grinning when I think you know when they launch these big balloons down there. I mean their their helium hose is probably two inches in diameter. You know they they, <laughs> they put to that big balloon. You know. I mean, right. we we got to get down to like an eighth eight inch hose, you know, about mm-hmm. an eighth inch hose. So he's going to have to kind of adapt down, or like you said, there's a workaround where maybe he can fill a balloon up and then we can squeeze it out of one into the other. But uh, you know, you know, we we measure down to the tenth of a gram, you know, like eight grams of lift is not very much helium. And can you imagine a big hose? Or give me uh, give me just a little bit. <laughs> bit and you turn that valve on right there and about you know about 400 cubic feet go out you know <laughs> so i don't know yeah i don't know 
No, and it, uh, I think that's part of what, uh, what Todd's looking forward to is some of those challenges that you can plan for to a certain extent. But like you said, you know, uh, yeah. when he's talking about, you know, making sure you've got the right threads on the fittings and different things like that, the, the details are, what, are, are what's going to make or break it. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, well, yeah, guys, well, I want to tell you something. I, uh, I mean, I have not had my dinner tonight. Uh-oh. And I'm getting hungry, you know. I don't know was it since we're not getting any participation on a, on our Zoom link. I'm wondering was it keep the show going or just let's all go get a snack. I was gonna say I got me a fresh can of those Costco large Virginia peanuts just oh. waiting for me in the other room. Oh, that's waiting for you. I thought you might have them in there eating area. No, no, well, no, no, no. Well, Kathy, I didn't want to have to share them. Yeah, Kathy left this morning, and her and a friend, they went over to our home over in North Carolina, so I'm batching it here for about the next week and a half. So, I don't know, man. I, you know, I guess I can try to find something here. I'll probably end up eating popcorn for most meals. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I do that, you know, to, you know well, and if I'm, in, if I'm in the healthy mood, I'll use the uh, air popper. And if yep. I'm in the not so healthy mood, then I'll use the microwavable stuff. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, microwave's not bad, but I, I, I tell you where I, 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 this is probably not that healthy, but I like a little extra popcorn salt on mine, man. You know. So yeah. Hey, I, don't hey, put, I, I found don't, some no salt yeah. salt. I don't. I don't put that much on. You know, I put a little bit in my hand and just kind of you know, sprinkle it like that in there, and it makes a big difference, man. It'll, yeah, but I here recently yeah. at Walmart, I found what is called no salt salt no salt salt it's actually salt ah, no, not nah. sodium i it, that's ground up sand i've seen it i read about it on no, the no, internet no, 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 i read no, no, about no, no, it on no, the no. internet it's finally no, no. ground up sand it is it's actually potassium potassium instead of sodium uh, okay and it actually well, tastes pretty darn good for somebody like me who is on a zero salt diet you know i can see potassium might taste yeah. kind of close to sodium yeah, it, it does yeah. real well. It might. It might work. There, yeah. I'd be careful, man. I Don't drink no water, man. You might blow up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. That, that, that's I can't drink Coke and have a Mentos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. So, you know, uh, here we go. About- we got, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are actually, this is a, a photo of the stage before they took off here last week or mm-hmm. a, a month or two ago. Uh, but you can see Huey, Huey, Huey Louie, and Dewey right there with, uh, with the penguins. I don't know who's going to fly these. You know, we've got, uh, we've got our crew of six up there now, three and three, so... Well, I was going to send you a box of fleas off the cats and train them a up. Box of fleas? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. do, they, do they have names? Well, we can come up with names. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got Daryl, Daryl, and his other. Brother. We got Larry. We got Larry, Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl, and we've yeah. got Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Uh, probably, you know what? Probably a lot of people in the chat room don't even know who Huey, Louie, and Dewey were. Probably. Do you, do you, Jim? Do you know who Huey, Dewey, and Louie were? Uh, Donald Duck. Donald Duck. Yeah, it was, it was the duck. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I was going to say they were the little robots on Silent Running. Well, yeah, okay, but probably a lot of people don't. Now, I don't know. Larry, Larry, Daryl, and his other brother Daryl. That might even be tougher uh, for people there in the chat room. You know. Oh, I, I know mean, that one. 
I remember hearing that. I, I can't place it, though. That's when yeah, I... Yeah. That was that the Bob Newhart was, show. That was on Newhart show. Bob All Newhart, right. so, yes. So, Jim, Jim looks relatively young here, so... Yeah. I'm going to ask him a question. I'm going to ask him a question that we we asked last week, and I bet you he won't know it either. And that makes me feel old. But Jim, do you know who Alan Freed was? Oh no, I'm seeing I'm seeing a look in his eyes. He doesn't know. Don't feel bad, Alan. Uh, he Jim, know. Alan Freed. Oh I didn't man, know it I cannot believe this. Alan Freed. No. I'm Alan, thinking of I Alan Ludden. Yeah, Alan Alan Freed was a he was a a he was a rock and roll DJ up in the Northeast when he started playing rock and roll. I think he was one of the first ones who started playing rock and roll, and all the city councils and everybody were talking about how vulgar it was, and they were trying to shut him down and arrest him, and oh, it was it was a big thing, man. Alan Freed, you guys need to look okay. it up. Need to look at it for history. Uh, yep. Alan yeah, Freed. I, 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 I failed it too, Jim, so don't feel bad. Yeah, everybody okay. failed it. Every, so one person yeah. in the chat room says, I heard of him, but that's all, you know? Yeah. But yeah. but see, now, Jim, we can counter this. And, you know, he was kind of close. You were kind of close. Who yeah. was Alan Ludden's wife? Alan Ludden's wife. There we go. We got Tom. Yeah. You got me. At what? Well, I think Betty I White. know. Yeah, Betty White. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, I know who Betty White is. I, you know. Yeah. Why didn't she why didn't she Betty Ludden? I don't know. But I See, used that, to watch that, that that throws you off right there, man. Yeah. yeah. I used to watch Password every day as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Clifton here, K E eight uh, F T eight said Betty White. He yeah, knew. he's got it. He yeah. Knew. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, let's uh, let's just go ahead and terminate the show and uh, go get something to eat. Uh, we'll that see everybody next really week. Good. They just let me uh, just uh, close here and uh, for our shortwave listeners and uh, tell them again. You're listening to Amateur Radio Roundtables, the show about ham radio and shortwave, and uh, you're listening on WBCQ on seventy four ninety kilohertz. Thank you for listening and. Uh, Feel free to join us live on our video show at W5KUB.com on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're out there internationally, that would be 0100 UTC on Wednesdays. You can watch our live show. Good night to everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Join our Facebook group. It's called W5KUB. We'll see you next week. Save me three. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right. So let me, I'm going to kill the... uh...